Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 11, Episode 5. Oh, but it's a feedback episode, so you can turn it off right now. We have nothing to say. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, do we have any feedback this week? We did. We did. We got oh, we the people are, to say. Okay. Are, are happy to be talking about The Walking Dead again, uh, which, is, which is really cool. Uh, I will say that... You're the type that kind of like likes to fall asleep to our podcast. I, I've heard that happen. Uh, number one, wake up because you need to hear that at the end of this episode, uh, we are going to engage in I, I would call light spoilers. Like it's essentially a casting thing um, that might might uh, might might I don't know spoiler enjoying The Walking Dead, but just some spoil. There's some uh, casting and stuff speculation um, that's going to be at the very end of this podcast. So uh, I will definitely mark it. You know, I'll definitely say, hey, we're about to talk about that one thing. I don't think it's going to ruin people's enjoyment of the show. I don't if you're still watching the show. I quite frankly, I don't know what would ruin your enjoyment at this point. But uh, I like to let people know about that. So uh, this is the feedback that we got to watching dead at baldmove.com. That's the address you want to send uh, every play. If it's uh, so, so I've heard tell some people are sending to other shows because they've got that bookmarked. Uh, I don't I don't pay attention to show specific boxes off season. So send it to walking, watching dead rather watching dead at baldmove.com. Uh, and uh, you got a good chance of getting a red here. First up Stacy from Kansas. I have so many questions. I had to go back and watch the Daryl and Carol episode to listen to Leah's word salad again to see if it made more sense now, which I guess it does, but I'm wondering why can Leah be loyal to her family, but she gets all pissy with Daryl when he wants to go out for two days to look for his family. Possible pregnancy hormones? Seriously, though, does anyone else see a surprise Daryl baby popping up soon? Does the timeline... I don't think... Like, unless the baby's, like, already goo-goo-ga-ga, like, outside... I don't know if the time works out for that. Because it's been, like, a year? I don't remember, honestly. That timeline was a mess to me. I feel like that's, like, um, all happened during the the time that we skipped over with the time jump. Like, Daryl scouring the land for... So, like, I... I don't think so, but maybe, maybe there's a five, six year old Daryl walking around uh, in the world. Boy, what is that? I'm not opposed to with the spinoff. Does he? Is it Daryl, Carol, and a kid? Yeah, Daryl, Carol, and the kid. (laughs) One man's kid, (laughs) like he did. One man, one lady, and a baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, one and a half men and a lady. I don't know. Uh, We'll see. Uh, she also says, why does Pope question taking Daryl as prisoner? Makes me think that this group kills and they don't take pres- prisoners. Yet they also got one of Maggie's guys, too. I didn't think about that, but that is an interesting contradiction. Like, he's all like, oh, you see, you took your boyfriend hostage. But they also took just some rando that I don't even know from Maggie's group to sweat him, too. Yeah, I don't know. Pope. The thing is, is Pope is a crazy religious uh, cult leader nut job, and you can always just write off bizarre behavior to that. Like they'll openly gaslight, they'll openly, uh, you know, tear down, change reality. But it also could just be lazy writing. Uh, speaking of Maggie's guy, if they don't believe Daryl's telling the truth, and as Aaron said, torture only works if you have at least two people. Although I will say that I did say that. Uh, it also has been said by the experts in interrogation that like torture is still like way down in effectiveness. Like if you just like you can give a lot further. I've heard you can get a lot further with like a bottle of scotch and a shoulder to cry on than you can with like bamboo shoots and waterboarding. Yeah, attract but, uh, more flies with honey. 
Sure. It's just what I've heard. Just what I've heard. But it doesn't work at all if you just got a single target. They're just going to tell, tell you whatever the fuck you need to hear to, to make it all stop. Um, but why didn't they try to torture them in front of each other to see if Daryl's telling the truth about knowing them? Um, I think the idea behind this is like Daryl would pull the leg. No, stop. You can't do that. Be betraying the fact that he cares for him. But and maybe that would be an advantage. But honestly, uh, you, you keep the subject separate so they can't get their stories straight. Mm-hmm. Like if one guy's like getting the hot poker and there's like, oh, my God, we've got 13 people. Then Daryl knows that okay, that's that's what he has to say too, right? So you have to keep him separate and yeah. interrogate him separately, and and you keep doing that until the stories match or you get a good good indication of what they do and don't know. So. Which they didn't do. I mean, neither of these groups have employed effective interrogation techniques, the Commonwealth or no. the Reapers, because they just put them all in cells together. You, yeah, talk amongst right. yourselves, no problem. They interrogate him separately, story. but then they just like, yeah. you know, they, 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 they do the cloud city thing where they get dumped in the, the, <laughs> right. the gin pop at the end. So, um, less important, but when did Leah get blonde hair dye? Her hair was uh, legit reddish brown in the webisodes. The I sun. didn't notice, but yeah, 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 yeah. The sun did uh, it. It's natural. Although I guess, I, I guess she, she's, she wears a hoodie and mask now more, most of the time. So, yeah. Only when she's reaping. Only when she's reaping. I yeah. think that the uh, for whatever reason, it's important to this cult that they soak their hoodies in hydrogen peroxide, mm-hmm. and the gets he just gets embedded in the fabric, and it is is bleaching her hair. It's the only thing I can. <laughs> sure. Uh, Hannah F is up next, and she says, I "Was kind of hoping that they would kill off Boston Rob, aka Alden, in the Hunted episode, rather than just checking off all the expected red shirts. Not of any kind of malice, but because I kind of give a shit about him. They haven't given that actor much over the seasons that he's been on, and I appreciate his performance this, so far this season. I even like it when they're trying to do uh, when they're trying to do use him as a foil to Negan as a past savior that Maggie is more than happy to be buddy buddy with." which highlights that her prejudice towards Negan is getting to a dangerous point for everyone involved. I mean, for fuck's sake, Maggie, if maybe if you listened to the guy you dragged along on the mission once in a while, maybe your people wouldn't be dead right now. That's the problem is that like Negan has all, all of his Negan's advice has been spot on. Sure. Um, even stuff didn't pan out like the flooding cave and, and the flooding sub tunnel and all that stuff. That was like super solid advice. And Maggie just bullheadedly ignores it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Again, I don't know what they're trying to do with Maggie. Um, I mean, if they're trying to make me think that she's completely reckless and on some kind of suicide mission here, then they've done that. Congratulations. Right. Because right. that's exactly how I feel right now. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know what the plan is, because you kind of talked to me in the last podcast that they're heading to Reaper Depot Central mm-hmm. uh, and they have Negan, her. Uh, a busted up Father Gabriel and a busted up uh, Casey Jones. I think that's yeah. not enough. That's not near that's enough. Not enough, they man. Can't be. To get, I mean, they got Daryl on the inside, which yeah. counts for a lot, but they don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem very suicidey. And if I honestly, if I was Negan, I'd like jet in the middle of the night. Like if if they're yeah. like, I got this crazy person that hates me is trying to get me killed, and they're like, uh, "Hey, we're going to assault this heavily compounded Reaper thing that." our full strength group got ran out of town by, I'd mm-hmm. be like, yeah, head back to Alexandria. Uh, just please. Hannah says for the love of Kang, don't have us return to that church to a fucking key card. Yeah. We, you, 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 you can't do that. Though. You can't do that to Boston, Rob. No. Although they did it with Heath and Heath was a bigger character. So, uh, let's move on to JP. So it's been years since my last email, but, uh, I'm still listening intently. So thanks guys. Well, Welcome back to the feedback. Just a quick note on the ongoing discussion around Negan's redemption. After season 11, episode five, I went back and rewatched Negan's debut. The last 20 minutes of the season six finale and season seven, episode one. Watching it back, knowing what was going to happen and unaffected by the bullshit cliffhangers, I was surprised by how good and affecting it all still is. When I watched it with season 11, Negan and Maggie in mind, it would be totally unrealistic for me uh, for any of the original All Out War community members to forgive Negan, especially those who were on their knees when he debuted. Uh, the way he acted, the mocking of the deaths, threat of cutting off Carl's arms, beyond sadistic. 
Any of these characters who witnessed that firsthand, Michonne, Aaron, Rosita, Eugene, Daryl, and Maggie, would never be able to forgive or stomach his redemption. Then when you consider the impact of the war on top of this for all of those characters, Aaron lost, or Aaron, <laughs> Aaron lost his partner, for example. I would hate it if he's redeemed in their eyes. Carol, Gabe, etc. didn't see the sadism firsthand, so perhaps they're less affected in spite of the war. Jim, what do you think about this analysis? Uh, are we not giving the Alexandrians enough credit as far as them? Uh... I mean, it's been a long time. I, I don't know. They say time heals all wounds, right? Um, it's not going to heal Glenn's, but it can heal the survivor's wounds. <laughs> it will not. No. It will absolutely not heal Glenn's wounds. You're right. So I, You're right. I don't know. I kind of want to see them forgive Negan if Negan's actually changed. And I think he is getting there. So, like, I can totally understand if you feel like he shouldn't be forgiven by these people and it wouldn't be, like, true to their characters. But on the same, uh, in the same note, I kind of want to see that happen because I think redemption is a valuable thing. Yeah, and, like, I think the thing, you, you, you listed everybody out, out here, but you left off Rick, who was the head proponent of Mercy Prevails Over My Wrath thing. Yeah, could have killed and, like, him, didn't. Yeah, Rick lost just as much. I mean, maybe Maggie um, or Rosita, who lost, you know, lovers, um, companions, uh, significant others to to th- this guy. But like Rick found it in his heart to forgive. Not like I and, and the thing is, is like. Um, the thing about forgiveness is it's not it, it's it's kind of a it's it's both a self-interested thing because it lets you kind of let go of the things that are maybe self-destructive to you but it's also a selfless thing and that you're bestowing something that you don't have to give mm-hmm. you know you don't have to forgive people right um and, and the, like the recognition that like this is a fucked up time and we've all done fucked up things like if you know we've we made this point before um and maybe not quite as bad as Negan, but you think about the shit that Rick has pulled on some people, like the fact that he tortured Aaron, you know, uh, the way he just took over violently kind of Alexandria and, and you know, overthrew their democratically elected, you know, instated the dictatorship. Like, I think the point is at some point, it's kind of like, I don't know, The Last of Us 2 made the same point. Like, if it's eye for an eye in an endless cycle, when does it ever stop? You know, yeah. Uh, when do blood feuds end? And I think you're right. If all of these people are kind of singing the same like Rick prayer book, that wouldn't be realistic. But, um, you know, obviously Maggie and uh, these these people are having different levels of skepticism about Negan. Like Daryl still hates Negan, obviously mm-hmm. doesn't trust him. I think it's interesting because you're right. Like like what Jim was saying, like like what is redemption? Like, you know, are some people beyond redemption? And if those people are beyond redemption, then do we just hunt them down and kill them like dogs? Uh, and if that's their reality, what, 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 what motivation they have to change or to try to act in a more acceptable behave, way to, to behave in society? I, I like the Walking Dead's tackling these issues. I'm not expecting mm-hmm. to do a great job with it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's nice that they're they're making a stab at saying because uh, you know we've we've got these like this shit happens in real life man like after World War Two there was a whole bunch of yeah. people like yeah we a lot of people swung from the rafters at the Hague but a lot more just had to find their way in society and you know like that stuff is fascinating um, I I I, th- I think uh, I I again if this is a better show if this is the Frank Darabont like this would be some really cool stuff to talk about as it is it's I don't know how they're gonna handle it but uh, let's move on to Allie. Hey guys, I know you've emphasized how fully dropped the Connie plot seems to be, especially given that it seems like something that could have been tackled in one of the off-season bottle episodes. I'm not sure if you guys are tracking this, but the actress who plays Connie, Lauren Ridloff is also one of the titular Eternals in the upcoming Marvel film. Cool for representation, but it's also possible that filming interfered with her availability and could explain at least in part how clunky that particular plot has seemed. Anyway, thanks for the mm-hmm. coverage. Well, you're welcome, Allie. Um, that kind of 100% explains it. <laughs> the Walking Dead's had trouble with this, right? Over the years, they've always had people who've either wanted to get out of The Walking Dead to do other things. <laughs> Lauren Cohen. Uh, or they've mm-hmm. had people who like 
well, you know, uh, uh, what's his what's his nuts from the wire? Gilliam, Lawrence, yeah, Seth Gilliam, Seth, Seth Gilliam. Oh, let, yeah, uh, Seth. He's the father. Gabriel, Not Gabriel. But, uh, no, Lawrence, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. Yes, thank you. Uh, that dude didn't he want to like go off and do other things at the same time he was doing Walking Dead, and that was a problem. I'm not sure. I, he, I never thought he felt very happy with what the role he had. Because, you know, he's done a lot of co- really cool shit. So, mm-hmm. kind of uh, slumming on The Walking Dead. But yeah, I could see that being a... a con- it has been a constant problem for The Walking Dead. So, sure, I could believe that. Especially with something as yeah. high profile as Marvel, which there is no way you pass up the Eternals... Oh, hell to no. stay on the last season of The Walking Dead, right? Hell no. Um, I actually wondered how they worked around Denai Guerrera's schedule for like her Black Panther, yeah. in the Marvel Cinema. Yeah. Um, I don't remember her that being maybe they just kind of timed everything. Plus, they they film a shocking amount of the Marvel stuff in Georgia. Oh, yeah. You know, like all those big action scenes are essentially parking lots in Georgia that they they dress up in blue screen and, and, and stuff. So huh. like it could be that she just that that this worked out. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like that's obviously a good reason. Like, yes, go and get that big Marvel check, Connie. Yes. Get that. Yeah, you 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 can wander out of the cave any old time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to Edward in Ireland. It's really great to have you guys back on board for the culmination of the show. We spent so much time watching the show; it just feels right that you're back covering it once more. I agree. I don't know how I feel yeah. about. 11 seasons the walking dead and it being like a total like this being the longest running total coverage mm-hmm. show we've got <laughs> like, yep but hey <laughs> it is what it is right you think there'll be one that beats it in the future i can't see a lot of shows doing 11 or 12 seasons right this show shouldn't have done it like we talked no. about this is a seven or eight show episode season show if, if if they had just stuck to the lean mean version of it uh I don't know, because like it's it's the rare show that makes it this. You're talking like The Simpsons, the Flintstones, right? Stuff we're probably you know, not going to animated. Cover. Yeah, where people don't visibly age out of the roles and stuff. I it's, uh, it's, this is uh, going to be. Uh, our it, it might be. <laughs> it might be. It might be the record holder. Ugh. As for the episode, I agree with Aaron. I can't wait to see shitty teen get his comeuppance. Punk kids have no place in the zombie apocalypse. Surely, even children have chores and tasks that they need to be doing. External uh, wall inspection detail would be good for kids like that. More on this to come. Yeah, this I'm sorry. You don't get to be a fucking kid in the apocalypse. It just it, it's not a viable career path. Sorry, you don't. You don't. Uh, but I got more to say about that in a further email. I thought the Commonwealth orientation video had a real WandaVision vibe to it. Yeah, it it felt oddly throwback and with the VHS, like I, that's the thing like mm-hmm. I couldn't understand is like, wouldn't this be on compact disc or DVD or just play on a play on a zoom, Microsoft zoom or something. It should be. Like I said, VHS yeah. will wear out depending on how yeah, many people they, you bring in. Were they showing it on an old tube te- television too? Uh, that's like in my mind's eye, right? it, it is, but I'm like, that's also just from an energy standpoint, like go for an LCD panel, man. There had to be a million. Well, Depending on when the world fell, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, this is mostly just a catch-up episode, and we'll be back with Daryl next week, and the story will move forward. We can hope. We can hope. We'll find out Sunday night. Uh, Brian from Maryland. I genuinely like this episode. The only real issue I have is the kids. I don't understand how these kids have so much free time. It's what also annoyed me about the teenagers in past seasons. They're basically living in the 19th century again where everyone works. Mm-hmm. These kids would be fixing up the town just as hard as the adults with little to no free time. They're acting like we are in a few months of into the apocalypse. I'm not sure why the writers keep overlooking this. Well, it might just be the poor writing showing through every now and then. <laughs> They've overlooked um, a lot. Like the, the, the yeah. Oceanside thing is really killing me because I've been thinking about it more. And I think we'll have an opportunity to talk about it. But yeah, these kids would definitely be working, especially kids as old as shitty preteens. Uh, even Judith would be working on something. Maybe yeah, not I'm... cold rolling steel, but something. Here's the thing, because I was thinking about this because I'm sympathetic. Like uh, I, I used to write survival guides for the first few seasons, of The Walking Dead, and I'd rail about this kind of stuff. Like, what the fuck is 
But I think that you've got 21st century parents. This is first generation. These are not like Martian colonists that chose to go out here. They didn't like wagons hoe head west for a better life. They didn't make this decision intentionally. This shit as 19th century life was was thrust upon them. And I think there's a there, there's a lot of probably internal pressure on these parents that once you're behind the cold rolled steel walls and you've got some like, like can we let the kids be kids again? You know, let them just be normal kids. Let them. I think that's the current that like they've always had this, uh, you know, like a, a little bit of a soft underbelly in some of the people of Alexandria, especially the ones that were like kind of lifers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like that's what you're getting. Like they just want the kids to be able to grow up to be kids. And you've got some people that don't feel that way. Like, uh, you know, Ezekiel and uh, and Carol weren't raising their ward to be like that. Judith obviously isn't that kind of shitty kid. Aaron's kid. But some of these parents maybe aren't the greatest parents and they're just following the least and, and they've got the always that easy excuse. Ah, just let them be kids, you know, and it's turning them into shits. So I think maybe that's where they're going. But uh, I don't like it because I agree like this shit's bad, man. Ninety nine percent of people are dead out there. You got to you got to fucking grow up fast in this world. Yeah. Probably not ideal, but it's it's the way it is. And the only thing less ideal than robbing a child of their childhood is having them eaten by a fucking zombie that wanders into your holy ass walls. So, and also, or, or gets murked by Judith because they push her a little bit too hard. That'd be a fucking shame. Uh, I do hope they continue to focus more on the Commonwealth. Brian says, and I like to see that they are having some thoughts of that. Uh, wait, so having some thoughts of just staying the bigger story for me is, does the Commonwealth know about the civic Republic and is there tension between these civilizations? What is the civic Republic? Is that what Alexandria slash Hilltop, Kingdom oh, is and that Oceanside the, were? Must it, I mean if they, I mean, that's they, gone. They it's just Alexandria now, right? Like there is no civic republic anymore. And I, I think that constitution burned up in the hilltop fire or something because they haven't they, mentioned it they, at all. They're using it to cover a hole in the walls. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. From a distance it looks like a, it looks like plywood. It's, it's, you know, mm-hmm. what's the odds that a zombie will come up and poke his fingers through it? Excuse me, her fingers. Well, I needlessly, needlessly, their uh, fingers, gendering these zombies. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Eric Y comes on and says, just thought I'd mention that your ad provider does some weird stuff. Whenever your episodes come on now, it usually takes me about six or so hours before I can actually listen to it. All right. I got two things. I got two things to say. Number one, uh, we just got a kind of, uh, we kind of got our automatic ad system fully running this summer. And there's a couple artifacts. Uh, when we first started it, we only we had to like uh, essentially pick a couple spots, and we didn't want to put mid episode ads in because who the hell knows? I don't want to. I don't want this automatic machine to jam an ad in the middle of a sentence that Jim and I are saying, right? So we stuck with like two pre rolls and two post rolls. The problem is now is that we're going through and we're putting the the mid stuff in. Um, yeah, I don't know. We need two pre rolls. I don't know. We need two ads potentially run before every podcast. So we probably need yeah. to look at adjusting that. Two support.baldmove.com. Five bucks a month. No fucking ads ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever again. Ad free feeds, baby. Oh, support.baldmove.com. So, so liberating. Anyway, this episode is pretty good. Eric says it is a little more interesting trying to cover a few locations in one episode. I do like that. They're getting back to instead of single storyline tell like they're like, it's it's you, you got like some ABC plots going mm-hmm. always nice says. I'm super happy that Yumiko found Tommy right away with the one question to the bureaucrat. I was so sure the walking dead would try to turn into the six episode arc. Uh, I never even thought I considered that like, yeah, this this could be the cliffhanger for se- this se- this uh, mini season. Uh, yeah, will she find Tommy or not? Uh, man, they really. I mean, ha- hats off to the Kang era. I can't think of anything that we've had dangling as long as we had in some shit in, in like seasons five, six, and seven. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like, I've not liked arc. plot lines, but I've never thought like Jesus Christ, this thing's taking forever. Like mm-hmm. I figured this out three episodes ago. What the fuck? Um, well, except for Oceanside, but yeah. Yeah, except for Oceanside. Uh, those preteens were casted just perfectly. Before they even opened their eye, their cake holes, I wanted Judith to take them out. You're right. Mm-hmm. Casting provided us some real quality shitty teens to work with here. <laughs> Punchable faces, uh, sliceable necks in the case of Judith. 
shit that's like yeah i'm uh i'm i do you think the show is going to go the redemption route like where judith is going to shoot through sheer strength and determination and moral uprightness with their other of the good kids like turn these kids into good kids or do you think they're going to be a liability and be dealt with yeah i I don't know that they'll be dealt with by judith but i think one way or another probably zombies will get through the wall or something and the the shitty teens will not be prepared to deal with zombies because they've had this cushy life where they're watching i don't don't know fucking power rangers is that a vhs era thing sure uh yeah. yeah they're watching power rangers on their vcr and their tube tvs and yeah they just get eaten eaten like so many vhs tapes and a shitty vcr <laughs> uh matthew c you guys really are way more forgiving than me i mean yeah i mean i'm i'm ready for negan redemption art clearly mm-hmm. uh i have little constructive feedback about this episode but hey i'm gonna try it anyway point number the one please make this new guy tony tony or Tommy, Tommy or Tom? I, I, I think is it's it Tony. Okay, Tommy. Stop him. Stop doing that abomination of an English accent right now. <laughs> yeah. As a British man myself, it borders on a war crime. How yeah. Yumiko didn't fall off her chair laughing, I did not know. Uh, point number the two. How the sweet fuck are we back to morgalizing? Honestly, just how? I knew I should have taken the Walking Dead back. Fool me once, etc. I rolled my eyes so hard during that scene you could have heard it across the Atlantic. Is, was that what that sound was? I thought I heard like you know some rumbling of like two giant stones mm-hmm. turning in, in sockets. Uh, point the third: the problem with trying to take off other uh, to, to take offs of other shows and films like to do here with the spoof advertising, something that Paul Verhoeven uh, has done so well. Um, like they did a few weeks back with the crappy Star Wars routine. I guess I'm guessing they're talking about the stormtroopers here. Uh-huh. The real big problem is it just makes you realize how shit the show is in comparison. It's like holding mm-hmm. a virtual mirror right beside the Walking Dead's face and reveals every one of its issues. It's seeing it in 4K, baby. Yeah. Um, it it is weird. I I thought that the I thought that the orientation video was a little jarring and a little you know, YouTube channel um, which might have been a little intentional because like what you're supposed to be thinking is, oh, my God, this is a some fucking society that they actually have an orientation video that they actually shot and filmed something. But like what I got is like, oh, God, this is a bad junior high broadcasting production. I was I was distracted by how shitty and hammy it was rather than impressed by the technological capabilities that it implies. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it so. when they do this with horror tropes and horror movies because Greg Nicotero has the pedigree for it, right? Like he was involved in a lot of the things or, or, or adjacent to a lot of the things that he's either parodying or just homaging. Uh, yeah. And so when they do stuff like, you know, slasher flick uh, homages, I really love that stuff. Um but yes, I mean, when you put it up next to Star Wars, which, you know, itself was doing, you know, let's say better versions of some of the things that have been done in the past. Sure. Yeah. In a lot Over of instances, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you're right. It doesn't it doesn't come off great in comparison, especially when they yada yada over some of the important parts of it. Um, yeah. So more of the horror stuff and less of the just general homages, especially if you're not going to lead into them with anything yeah i like when walking dead does like references to like italian zombie horror stuff or they did like with uh the governor they had like a you know a jason Fri- uh, friday the 13th kind of mm-hmm. plots uh i liked when we got like a little bit of that hammer horror of them stalking zombies through a, f- a fog shrouded gothic uh graveyard that yeah. stuff is in its lane but and I, yeah and again a different version of the show i think could do that paul verhoven kind of robocop i'll buy that for a dollar business and do it well um it's just this is not this that's not this multiverse version of the walking dead so it was fine um, i didn't have a huge problem with it but yeah the star wars thing was not good it's hard to make store like uh i was just at cedar point last week uh with the family riding roller coasters and they have this ride called the magnum xl 200 and it's all designed very futuristically like the that's cars this is back too, in 19- right well that's what my that's the fifth my 15 year old is making that joke so yeah um okay. 
but it's all designed futuristic, like, uh, you know, 1989 Epcot futuristic, like where, you know, um, the front of it looks like an Imperial shuttle of the cars. But in the classic, they had like, uh, you must be this tall to ride. And it was a stormtrooper holding a rifle. But the stormtrooper is like that, like was like 10 percent different, like their mask was just slightly different and the arm. They had like double pauldrons instead of one. So it's like, yeah, recognize like recognizably Star Wars, but just not Star Wars enough that Lucasfilm can't sue them. And like that, I always think like, what the fuck are you doing, man? That's so shitty. Uh, yeah, why? The, the Walking Dead doesn't need to stoop to that. So uh, my question is like, why? In a world where stormtroopers exist, we've seen them on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Why would? And I know they're comic book accurate, but why? Why go with stormtroopers? Like I, I need it. I, they need to answer. They need to have some answers for like why are they all wearing this mass-produced plastic armor? Yeah, I mean it's probably pretty. It's probably more effective armor than what the stormtroopers are wearing, if I had to guess. But also, I, I think like more specifically, the stormtrooper thing I'm thinking of is, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? That that stuff, right? Like where they put on the suits and they do the prisoner gambit. Uh, where they sneak Chewbacca out through the halls and all that. That was like the comparison that I was making that was not favorable to the walking dead. Mm. Cause they just don't lead gotcha. into it. Right. It's like, how did they get out of the cell? How did they get the suits? None of that stuff is ever answered or ever could be answered. They gotcha. just wanted to do this homage thing. Uh, let's see. Moving on to Christina. Is anyone else thinking that maybe there's some sexual tension going on between Maggie and Negan? I swear the show is so cheesy. They'll make these two end up together and end. Or am I crazy? Uh, and yeah, it's okay to call me st- crazy straight out. I think the last feedback, e- e- feedback episode, someone floated this and we both recoiled yeah. in horror. Uh huh. I thought <laughs> I we think- answered this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> with we answered it with things, vomiting sounds, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Stranger things have happened for sure mm-hmm. in in the in the in the course of human history. But going back to I, uh, I was it was it Brian up here, whatever, saying that there's no way the people that were on the the dirt on their knees begging for their life, watching Glenn and Abraham getting beat to death. There's no way they'll. I do think there's no way you're going to sleep with the guy who beat your husband's brains out, man. The father of your, like, even if you wanted to, how would you like the, the fact that you'd have to explain this to your son? Uh, yeah, I just don't see it. I don't see it. But I also, I also am totally seeing like when they come at each other, very angry and they get right up nose to nose. Like it is, like I said on the, the, I said on the podcast, it has a kind of rom-com energy of like, I fucking hate you. I fucking hate, you know, like uh, Indiana Jones and the Nazi chick and the third uh, Indiana Jones. Like, you know, I don't like I don't like domineering men. I don't like fast women as they're undressing each other and starting to fuck like that energy is there. (laughs) And I don't want it to be so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, We're going to going to sentence you to one week in horny jail. And uh, we'll see if that rehabilitates you. And uh, we'll just move on. All right. All right. Sherry from Missouri. Kind of disappointed in last night's episode. There weren't any even ooh moments or scares. The wolves callback and Negan's whistle were interesting, though. Uh, Number one notes. The Commonwealth lawyers totally based on Saul Goodman, right? Did we? I think we made that Hmm. that comparison. If not, we should have because he definitely had big slip and Jimmy energy. Yeah, I think you might have. I can't remember. And it's not just like the smarm, it's the costuming. It's like this is like season two Jimmy working the old folks retirement community, right? He's got the Matlock suit on. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. That, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just plaid I definitely, instead of whatever color. Yeah. I definitely see where you're getting at here. Number two, no one seems to own Hilltop. So why is it a big deal that some stray whispers were living there? Aaron is, I don't know why I keep self editing this. Aaron is losing his mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it, right? Like if some arsonist burnt down my fucking house and I had to flee it and I came back a couple months later to try to like get something, you know, to salvage out of it and motherfuckers were, you know, the guys that burnt down my place were, were, were squatting there mm-hmm. in my ashes. Yeah, I could see being pretty angry about that with all your shambling reanimated family alongside them. Yeah, 
Yeah, I could see. Yeah, it. <laughs> that they're hurting, that they're hurting like cattle. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> I can, pretty offensive. I can see, I can see that. I, right. I, I, I can see that for sure. Uh, Walker's breaching Alexandria. Hey, good idea. Keep banging on the metal walls and bring every walker to the breached area. Don't they have something to throw into the field? The field to turn those fuckers away from the walls. Maybe a timer like Daryl and Jesus have used. Yeah, like I thought it was pretty clever to bang, and I think they're they're trying to bang to the strong areas of the wall. Yeah, but like it does seem like if you had four or five alarm clocks, you could just like toss one in one direction, zombies go shamble off over it. Then you toss one a hundred feet in the other direction, the zombies shut. You retrieve the first one. You know, like. Mm-hmm. They have that, and that's another thing about The Walking Dead. They have some great ideas sometimes, but they they fucking immediately forget them. Yeah, you know, there's there's no one that really has like a there's 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 no like zombie Bible that someone says, hey, you know what, we've got this solution. It's like they don't even remember how the gut shit works now. Yeah, now it's just like you just put some some zombie gut war paint on, and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a problem. Uh, finally, on the uh, Commonwealth uniforms, did they find a Warner Brothers Universal Studios costume room for the white uniforms? I want an explanation for their whole Stormtrooper look, along with the head dude's salmon cover, salmon covered uni. Yeah, I just just ranted about this myself. Um, as far as I know, this isn't like situation like in Firefly, the series where they had the purple bellies, and it was only because I believe that was the armor from starship troopers that they got like a good, they like bought like a cargo container of it. And like, that's their u- military uniforms. Like these are designed to look exactly like the uniforms, the Commonwealth soldiers wear in the, the, the comics. I haven't read the, mm-hmm. these comics, but I've seen a side by side comparison of a cover and they are, yeah, as far as I can tell exactly what they look like in the comics. Yeah. If you want to blame anybody for this, blame, uh, is it Adler? Is Adler? Is he the one who's drawing oh, it? Is it Moore? Is he? Can't remember who started and who took over. I don't Wasn't remember Moore who it is. I don't know who. who this is yeah, shit I knew in probably, season one. <laughs> this is shit I probably don't know Kirkman. Anymore. Yeah, probably Kirkman's Kirkman drawing. He like, wrote is like they they look like stormtroopers from Star Wars. That's going to be fucking awesome, right? And yeah. he's like, well, I can't make them look exactly like stormtroopers because. And then he and he went through some concept art for the Magnum XL ride, and he found <laughs> ah. <laughs> Perfect. I got it. I got it. Um, finally, thanks. It's been a long time since I wrote in. Well, glad to see you back. I'm glad you came back to cover the last few seasons. AMC should be sending you a check for what you've done to keep people engaged for the past two seasons. Oh, boy. From from your mouth to AMC executives ears. Maybe we could cut back on the ads, too, then. Although knowing AMC, the <laughs> there'd be, be three small. ads every five, ten minutes uh, in oh. the podcast took it over so oh yeah i mean we're, we're, if we want to get any money we're more likely to get it from frank darabont i think uh because we've talked a lot of trash about amc we have not talked nearly as much trash about frank darabont um let's move on to brendan from ireland um oh actually this is this is i, I combined this point I, I took daniel from seattle's but brendan from ireland also had the same point uh, Daniel says, I wanted to write in uh, with a thought I had regarding the burned up Judas we saw in the last few episodes. This character keeps being brought up as if it's a big mystery with a big reveal coming up, but I think the mystery is already solved. <laughs> Isn't Judas the Reaper that was burned in the fire by the Pope? I know the timelines don't quite match up with the Negan Maggie story and Daryl story, and I can't explain why the Reapers would put a burned corpse out of the fire and hang it on a post for seemingly no one, but hey, it's The Walking Dead. Like I said, a couple of people suggested this this week that we essentially have had a slight divergence in the timeline and we just haven't caught up to it. Uh, what do you think about the fact that the Judas could be this guy? I, I feel really stupid having not even considered that fact. I mean, it should be pretty easy guy set on fire uh, by Pope and guy clearly who was burned to death in the woods labeled Judas. It it should be immediately obvious that that is in fact him, but I I don't know I the timeline might work out because there is like a weird you know two timeline flashback kind of thing going on here um, with Maggie right. and, and the the mall and all that stuff. So I don't know, but yeah, I feel really stupid for not even having thought of it. And I, you're probably right. 
it bugs me they call him a Judas though, because I didn't get the feeling that he betrayed the group. Like, yeah, not based on what like, we saw in the mall. Yeah, he didn't fulfill his duty to always attack or something. Maybe that gets you. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like this guy's a religious, religious cult nut job. Yeah. So what are you going to do? But like, that's the only thing. It's like it's not quite a Judas situation. Mm-hmm. Um, not a betrayal. It's more of like a, a cowardice kind of thing. But if but, Casey uh, Jones is back, and I think Casey Jones is back, and uh-huh. that guy got burned up, it's far more likely that that dude is Judas, the one who got burned, than Casey Jones, who I think is well, back. Especially since, especially since, like this does seem to be something shocking to the group. Mm-hmm. And if like you just burnt some dude at the stake, uh, uh, you know, uh, a day or two ago, then why would they like be like this? So, or may, I mean, I guess the answer is like they maybe all agreed that that guy deserved it because he's a Judas. But this guy, fuck, you know, shit. We don't, you know, he brought the guy back, hoofed, hoofed his body back 10 miles and still got fucking put on the fire. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This is the trouble. Walking Dead's telling a pretty messy story here. Uh, and I can't quite follow it. I, th- I think we're meant to follow it, but I'm not quite sure how I would do that. Daniel continues, uh, I want to also point out an observation I had while watching the latest episode that you might appreciate. When Eugene, Ezekiel, and Princess go about in the Commonwealth to walk around, they look so out of place. You don't realize how ridiculous these characters have started to look until you throw them into seemingly modern world. Reminded me of the episodes of Star Trek where the away crew has to dress up in period-appropriate clothing and visit a civilization that's similar to 20th century Earth. Even though they're wearing the same outfits as everyone else, you could tell that they didn't belong. Yeah, I mean, Princess yeah. is essentially Data with his android eyes and, and yellow skin, right? Exactly. Yellow green skin. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. ridiculous. I I don't think about Ezekiel looking totally ridiculous all the time, mm-hmm. but he does. I mean, he's wearing these long ass robe, a cape thing. The, sure. I don't know if it's a duster or what it is, but eugene's got his court and bolo and his like half gallon hat uh i mean he's always looked ridiculous know. so like when he dresses sure. up in full sure. cowboy regalia he definitely looks more ridiculous but yeah yeah it's always had uh, that mullet you got you to go uh you got to go with the jean luc like yumiko's got to go with the jean luc explanation where anyone's like what the fuck is up with these people other oh, from france yeah <laughs> that always that always satisfied everyone on you know it's like uh why is this what's this pale guy with the gold eyes oh, he's from france you know yeah princess uh, just looks wild like with that big pink boa thing she's got or whatever oh, it is oh yes she's she's a, a she's a larger than life character it is like she's got that teddy bear pink coat and yeah. the multi yeah it's uh, it's a it's a whole it's a whole ass look for sure uh we got more feedback including some interesting theories about Yumiko's brother uh which we'll consider right after this quick break discover why critics are calling kingdom of the planet of the apes the best film of the franchise what a wonderful day it's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible we need to go hang on it is our time kingdom of the planet of the apes now playing only in theaters rated pg-13 some material may be inappropriate for children under 13 all right, we're back with Hannah F. Sounded like a, a, a swear I just uh, censored. Hannah F. says, I have a couple of thoughts about last night's episode I want to share with you. I do believe that Yumiko's brother told the Commonwealth about his past career as a surgeon. If he didn't, then Yumiko mentioned it in her interrogation. I think we would have seen some backlash befall him before for keeping it a secret. This is an interesting mm. point. Okay. This is an interesting point. Uh, maybe... Uh, making him a baker is a tool of control by those in power that they can limit the population's access to health care. The people in power can use that as a way to control people who are in need of it, possibly get some sort of favors or large payment to allow them to get treatment for their ailments. This is so, so they're like the beers, you know, like uh, artificial scarcity of diamonds. They're like just keeping all their surgeons in uh, baking bakeries uh, to, to have an artificial scarcity here. So they're like America. They're just setting back up the American institution of healthcare. Yeah. Right. 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 Art, artificial scarcity, you know, making it hard to, to, to get accredited, making it hard to go through the schools. And yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. if you want your life saving medication, Oh, you got to make a huge ass payment that you'll probably be working off for the rest of your life. So sure. Sure. We own your life yeah. one way or another. 
Yeah, you get you need you need your cancer treated. Oh boy, you're gonna be you're indentured servitude for thirty years. Well, I mean, what, um, what's he gonna pay with cakes? Cakes? <laughs> I mean, like let's say Tommy gets sick. Cakes? That's irony. And they're like trying to leverage some kind of payment out of him. What's he got? What's he got? Nothing. These people have nothing. Um. Hannah also has another version of the theory. It could also be putting him into a place of easier control to be a healthcare provider in the post-apocalyptic world is be something of a superhero and all communities will want you and your skills. We've seen this even take a fucking whisper off the street. If you got some combat medic experience by making him a baker, they take away those superpowers and make him just as equal in that community to a retail worker. He is following the rules and playing happy baker to not stir up any discipline that may befall him. If he tells people he has the skills of a surgeon. That's possibly why he locked, looked concerned when Yumiko said it out loud in the public space. I mean, I, I do think the plain reading is that he is a guy who didn't want to be this high achieving person and was driven to it by family expectations. And he found a place where he can kind of relax. Mm-hmm. But there is something there because I think you found a, a, a contradiction here in that, like, he might want that. But if he lied and said he doesn't have that medical training, everything I know about the Commonwealth says that he'd be in big trouble if they ever found out. And we know that they found out. So, but does, in, but do the writers remember that they've found out? That's, that's what I'm saying. It's in the, it's in the walking <laughs> dead's wheelhouse to just fucking forget, you know? Yeah. Um, or not understand fully the implications of the shit that they're doing. It's not been a hallmark of the, uh, the Kang era, but like, there. you know, it's getting there, yeah. This is a little bit, a little bit of sloppy Joe. Um, these last few episodes. In regard to Ezekiel's cancer, I do believe that when he first realized he was sick, he said that he lost at least two close family members to the same type of cancer he believes he has. He seemed very familiar with it and confident it was a death sentence. If they were unable to beat this cancer before the zombie apocalypse, and I highly doubt they had the tools to cure it now. I'm not sure what story the writers are trying to tell us with this illness and what it will do to his character. I do have some faith that it will be much more interesting to watch a character that we know deal with imminent death than some rando getting bit by a stealth walker. That's the yeah. thing. Okay, though I'm now realizing that the brother surgeon and Zeke's cancer could be connected, but I kind of hope I'm wrong. I personally mm-hmm. find Zeke having some sort of grief and personal realizations while facing his mortality more interesting than the freak occurrence of Yumiko's brother being the one surgeon who has the capabilities of curing him. I'm kind of sympathetic to that. Like, yeah. What a kick in the ass to live through so much danger. You're fighting with a tiger by your side through hordes of zombies and soldiers and shit. Shh. And to die of something mundane like cancer, mm-hmm. it's would be tough. I think it'd be ex- it's, it's it's tough now. It must be really tough to live in this kind of brutal world and to survive so much and to do so much and to be cut down. It would be interesting to see someone struggle through that. But on the other hand, I also could like I would like to see Zeke be cured. That would be sure. I think that's that. Like I, I said this back when we first found out he had cancer. Like. There is something cool about them successfully treating the cancer that says something about human society's resilience in the face of this that like, you know, even though we've lost so much, we haven't completely slid into the dark fucking ages. We got this half ass blacksmith making shitty wagons for us. But you know what? If we have the training and we can find the materials, we could treat cancer at, you know, 20th century, 21st century levels. But uh, yeah, that's just how I feel about it. Uh, you remember that roving band of like cancer treating <laughs> superheroes that Negan ran into back on his journeys? Is that yes, like kind of offshoot of the Commonwealth or part of the Commonwealth, like an earlier version of it? Because the Commonwealth yeah, doesn't would... get set up in a small amount of time, right? This infrastructure takes a long time to build, so they must have started pretty early after the apocalypse. Right. I mean, I don't know if they're trying to say something about how. Because we've seen two kind of do goody efforts like these Doctors Without Borders guys and Georgie's, um, you know, project for a new American future. Mm -hmm. Um, And both of them have come to like, well, I don't know, but like it seems that both of them have come to tears because obviously like that outfit got subsumed the Navy, the the Negan saviors. Mm -hmm. They might be something I'm saying about the fundamental truth that it's way easier to destroy than to create something like it's much harder to create something like uh, a a new civilization or like something what they're doing here in the Commonwealth. It's much easier to destroy and bring that down than it is to create it. Mm -hmm. Um. 
I, I, yeah, so they might be doing something like that. I don't know. Um, let's move on to Kevin. Says I'm a big fan of the podcast and I've enjoyed the experience of virtually chatting around uh, the water cooler with y'all over the years. But there's one thing in the Commonwealth video that you mentioned a couple times in passing that I think deserves a closer look. The number of fifty thousand people sounds incredibly high to me. So outrageously high that it may be a not so subtle clue that things aren't what they seem. It's tough to know for sure on the show, but the biggest groups we've seen are probably been in the neighborhood of a few hundred people tops. The Commonwealth had said that it had 5,000 people, and I thought, whoa, that's 10 times bigger than Alexandria at its peak. But 100 times stretches the imagination. I grew up at Goldsboro, North Carolina, which currently claims 34,000 people across 25 square miles. Obviously not a dense urban area, but when you walk down the streets, there are way more people milling about than what we've seen so far in the Commonwealth. I also don't understand how a community this large could be a day or two walk from Alexandria without them crossing paths in the last seven or eight years. This is a problem. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's more to that that they haven't shown us yet, but this jumped out to me as a huge red flag. Um, I mean, the thing is, is they're drawing from a population of what is essentially a giant American megacity. Yeah. You know, like. New York and Washington and felt like it's 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 just giant population center. 30, 40 million people live in this the this these areas, right? So to get fifty thousand people out of that, it doesn't and then especially if they started like, you know, they 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 started building in one of the denser urban uh, cities and start like, you know, fighting out street from street. I it is huge, and I think it's supposed to be like a game changer, right? 50,000 yeah. people, what the fuck? Like, this isn't like the saviors where, like, they got 1,000 people with guns, we got 500 people with the guns, but we're tougher and smarter and gooder, right? Yeah. 50,000 people, like, what the fuck are you going to do? Um, Probably yeah, I, I, not. I, I, not much. You're, you're going to try to find a way to work with them. <laughs> that's, that's what you're yeah. going to do, because there isn't any kind of force, certainly, that an Alexandria-sized civilization could, could mount. That would prove any threat to them. Uh, I can understand your problem with the depiction, maybe, of it. Um, depending on how big of an area this is. If this is supposed to be like a densely populated, small-ish area, 50,000 people, you'd probably see more people roaming around, I guess. Um, I'm going to take them at their word that it's 50,000, and maybe they're just not depicting it as you would expect a 50,000 person area of like i don't know what 20 blocks 30 blocks 50 by i have no idea how big this place is or how like Mm -hmm. dense densely populated it's supposed to be so i'm kind of still open to the idea that it's fifty thousand people until we see more of it and i can call bullshit on it or say yeah that feels about right yeah, I got to say that, like, I, it turns me off that this is a little bit more Woodsbury or Alexandria looking than it is. Yeah. Like, I think this, like, even a well-functioning society would look a lot more Judge Dredd, Peachtree Towers, kind of, like, mm-hmm. people stacked up on top of people, people sleeping in, you it's know. It's just more like efficient, you just, yeah. You, yeah, you get, you get, you stack, like, when you're trying to, like, you got to expand and build walls and you got to transport port goods and stuff, like, it seems like concentrating all that stuff. So just having people strolling out in green spaces, but also could this be like a Pyongyang kind of North Korea? Like this is where you put the new people right. and this is where everything works. And then like the, like this because is a good place, right? That's they've the also vibe hinted, I got from it. They've also hinted that there's some class divides here. So yeah. have we seen like what the blue collar where they like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see like more of this society. Cause like we haven't seen mm-hmm. enough. I don't think yet. Agreed. Hey, says hello from Melbourne, Australia. Quite the mixed bag of an episode for me this week, although your commentary had me laughing out loud multiple times. Well, thank you. This is by far my least favorite episode of this last latest season. And to be honest, I felt like it's a bit of a waste when we are counting down to the end. I love me some Ross Marquand as Aaron, but this late in the game with limited hours left of the series, do I really want an entire plot centered around him and Carol morgalizing? No. I will say that, like, I my tolerance for this, like, it's a little different because we haven't seen this from Aaron. And they have, if you'll recall, they've been setting this story up with his discussions of, uh, you know, like Michonne kind of successfully radicalized him as a young father. Um, So a little bit of this is fine. But like Carol being the guy trying to bring him (laughs) back. I don't know. She still got one foot on a banana peel and the other into a (laughs) vault of madness. Like, I don't I don't know. 
there are some few glimmering moments, but a lot of it had me rolling my eyes, particularly Carol's sudden about face to be the moral center of the group at Hilltop. Thank you. I want to grab her by the shoulders and shout, who do you think you are? It feels jarring that Maggie would just uh, uh, moving on to other points. It feels jarring that Maggie just watched a man get torn to shreds by walkers because she's all car cold and hardened through the world. But now she refuses to leave the checkpoint until it's the rest of her group can show up. Who are they trying to tell us this version of Maggie really is? It's a good question. I mean, to be fair, the guy that got pulled apart is kind of like one of them shitty teens that probably deserved to die. But also, oh, yeah. they undercut that by having her tell the story of, like, the world's just a fucked up place and nothing, you know, God's dead and, you know, I'm, I'm this dark, sinister person. So it's like, did you kill him because... It was for the good, greater good, and this guy's kind of shitty and brought it on to himself. Or did you kill him just because you don't even feel anything, Maggie? Like, is a little bit of a disconnect there. I'm really enjoying Aaron's social political read on the dynamic between the Commonwealth and the outsiders as it pertains to refugee crisis of the 21st century. So much so that I'll be very disappointed if that's not how the show plays it out. Yeah, some wild. I mean, you know, wild, ripped out of the headline stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. people streaming across our border, people being ran down by horses. Um, and that we haven't even really started like what is predicted by a lot of leading experts to be a true, oh, yeah. you know, environmental crisis that will cause people to move in mass, like by not the thousands, the hundred thousands, the millions all yeah. over the world. And I don't know what the fuck we're going to do about that. Um, and I'm not sure I that curious about what the walking dead writer's room has to say about it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see finally i can't well, believe they the, spent the, so much the, the, let's let's just say right now the walking dead writer's room is not going to really address it because they don't even acknowledge that the coast exists so any kind of allusion to you know climate change and rising sea levels none of that's going to matter because they don't think about it fish what are those that I, think that, that, I don't want this to come across as like uh, one of those types that like you know, the human extinction project types. But like, I do think that in the walking dead universe, we, their global warming probably got averted successfully. Oh yeah. At least for another hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. Until we, but I, I've, I actually read an article and I don't have the source for this. So this might not be true. This might be garbage science, but I, I read an article once where like some scientists and experts were debating the idea of like, what would happen if like we bombed ourselves back to like a stone age and a lot of people are of the opinion that we would never have uh, at least a fossil fuel based economy again, because like back in the day, you could just like pick up coal off the ground, like crude is bubbling forth, like uh, Beverly Hillbilly style. Now you got to go three miles deep below the ocean and mm -hmm. you need fucking technology to do that. You have to hydraulically frack and inject water to get this shit to come out of the ground. Like all the easy stuff is gone. So what would you jumpstart your industrial civilization with? Wind, so like this solar. might be it. Yeah, like, I mean, you wouldn't this might do be it with... for like a billion years. If we fuck up this world and we fall into like a dark ages, it might be it for technology for like a billion years. I don't think so. I think you have one Georgie out there talking about solar panels and uh, wind power, like wind and water would be the power we would use for a long time. And that would be super clean. And we would probably never get back to coal based stuff. I, I agree with that or oil based petroleum stuff. You um, think we could have what I just don't know. It depends on, I guess how many people we're talking about. If it's like a walking dead, like it's a 1% society, but if it's like, you know, three and a half billion people you still have to provide for, I don't know. Like yeah, we depend on modern farming, like industrial mm -hmm. farming and chemicals and shit to just feed ourselves. So like cobbling together a couple of plus, by the way, turbines are not like, you don't make them out of coconuts and twine. They're made out of like neodymium magnets and, you know, mm -hmm. miles of copper wound and stuff like that. So like, ah, I don't know. Like I said, it could be bullshit. It's just something I read. Um, finally, I can't believe they spent so much of the episode at Hilltop debating whether or not the whispers were finally setting a trap only to jump at the chance to run off to a cave where they supposedly saw Connie. If that's not the trap you've been worried about, I don't know what is. Even as I type it, I don't believe it's a trap per se. I just felt like it's a weird choice for me, uh, for them to be so distrustful and on high alert the entire episode, only to take the last thing that the Whisperer said as gospel. Yeah. Uh, I agree with Jim. It's a strange place to leave the episode. Very. Yeah. I didn't even think pretty... about that reason, but yes, totally. 
Yeah. Oh, you fuckers are liars. You're just manipulate. You'll tell us anything you want. Oh, oh, one of our people are alive back in the zombie cave. Oh, oh, we got to go mean, check it out. I didn't get anyone yeah. killed. I'm not responsible. Oh, well, forget about the hilltop. But I didn't get this one yeah. person killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carol's redemption. That's right. Uh, P.S. Fuck those shitty preteens. Fuck them kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. All right. People that fall asleep, you need to wake up because we're about to do the slight casting AMC fuck up with show notes and stuff. Spoilers that could reveal an important plot point in the episodes to come. So if you want to go into The Walking Dead, you know, completely spoiler free, you want to be completely surprised by every twist and turn that the Kang has for us, then now's the time to switch off. You can always send your feedback in next week at watchingdead at baldmove.com. We'll get it. We'll talk to you there. But I just want to make sure everyone's got a chance to bail. All right. All right. Everybody's in for it. I'll see you guys later. All right, Jim, I'll take it from here. Okay. Uh, So we had two people write this in one Karen from LA uh, and then Lando Vendetta with the more substantial take. So I'm going to what? That's a fucking awesome name, right? Lando Vendetta. Lando Vendetta is a name that marches out and gets shit done. Yeah. Wins, win, wins a, 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 a hyperdrive capable starship and a, mm-hmm. and a hand of space poker. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive. Uh, Lando says it's pretty obvious with the ice cream scene that Stephanie has been showing Eugene that the Stephanie has been showing Eugene around isn't the one from the radio calls. You'll recall that mm. we saw like, what is this odd double triple take that this weirdo ice cream girl that just jumped through the front of the line and stole 12 ice cream cones? What is the deal with this? Um, not only is the Rocky Road girl that Eugene uncomfortably stares at at work directly under Pamela Milton, but she's also the real Stephanie. Mm. The fake Stephanie seems to be slipping in information that she would know about Eugene from the radio calls, but feels awkward and semi scripted. So I looked into this. And there is an article from winteriscoming.net that uh, kind of like all put this into a bow a couple days ago. Because it turns out AMC actually accidentally spoiled this. Um, Stephanie, portrayed by Shelley Ramos in season 11, appears not to be the woman Eugene, uh, played by Josh McDermott, first interacted with the radio in Alexandria. Not only is her voice different as an instant red herring, but a photo description in AMC's press site described her character as decoy Stephanie. So the AMC press site, they had a, they had a photo of Eugene hmm. walking around with her and she was labeled as quote unquote decoy <laughs> Stephanie. Now, uh, perhaps in a panic, the image description was hastily changed back to simply Stephanie a few hours after it hit the, the net. But of course it's the internet, you know, you can't fucking suppress this information. Uh, also, back in 2019, Josh McDermott openly revealed that it was Margot Bingham's voice on the other end of the radio, which I believe is this uh, dozen cone stealing real Stephanie. Yeah. He goes, uh, yeah, it's Margot Bingham. Uh, he told the uh, insider, I only say this because her name was in the credits. So if they want to get mad at me, well, they shouldn't have put her name in the credits. <laughs> yeah, fair. I kind of like Josh McDermott. I feel like he's in, <laughs> inside the AMC executive resistance. Like, yeah. I, I I've noticed a couple of interviews where he just doesn't seem to give a fuck about like, what are you going to do? Fire me? What are you going to go fire the molt in the last season because right. you, you're shitty spoilers. Yeah. I, I, I got a newfound respect for Mr. Josh here. All right. Well, that sounds pretty conclusive. Yeah. So, uh, why, why the fakes? St- uh, the, the thing is, is why I, I can't fathom con- control and layers, man. They got layers in the Commonwealth. I guess I, I'm I'm I I guess I'm kind of glad I see this coming because this seems dumb and now I'm at least forewarned that it's dumb because I just I don't know what the tactic like the, the thing is is like why would you spend the time and effort to decoy up this person mm-hmm. um, maybe it's like so this makes me makes more sense because we talked about how Stephanie Kim seemed pretty blase about breaking the rules this was a trap yeah. this was a sting. This was all the real Stephanie actually cares about Eugene. Maybe the real Stephanie's in a dun- an ice cream dungeon somewhere. Uh, did they She's teach? only allowed out to get the get get the cones that they need in the ice cream dungeon. <laughs> sure. The ice cream dungeon. The ice yeah. cream dungeon made. Uh, did they What's teach? Fa- why would they let him? Why would they take this insane risk of letting, you know, fake Stephanie and real Stephanie and real Eugene all hang out in the same place? It's one more layer. It's it's one more chance for them to get the location of Alexandria, I guess. 
Do they have a fake Eugene that they're trying to run game on the real Stephanie with? He's like some chiseled Chad looking guy. I it talks like a normal person. That would give it away though, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but why oh, would Stephanie, they need to do I that? Sure, pretty- I surely do love this rockiest of road with all the gravel and the mud and the <laughs> Uh, why wouldn't stephanie cooperate with them i don't i don't know real stephanie yeah i is then that it honestly answers we'll have to see yeah but um yeah well that's where we're going to end the feedback this week of course sunday night at 9 p.m eastern we'll have the next episode out for episode six we've only got three more left in this whole season uh until walking dead takes a little bit of a break so mm-hmm. check that. Uh, be sure to check that out on Sunday night. We'll also have our feedback uh, next week. Watching that at baldmove.com is how you get those feedback in. If you got a take, you want to get it to us. That's how you do it. We'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later. Bye.